Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. We thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Please keep sharing. Season's upcoming. We want the numbers to grow and grow. And if you're kind enough to give us a great review, that's even cooler how you doing buddy uh you know i'm feeling good because we're back talking about football again. yes this this will be a extremely heavy football podcast which would make it two in a row if we do it a third time i think that's called a, a streak yes it is that that's true uh you know on saturday i watched a ton of football i, I was supposed to be preparing for the cast i just didn't do it yeah i didn't care i just was enjoying it too yeah. much it was it was better this past Saturday. Let's be honest. Oh, it was a good. It was a good week of games. <laughs> it, it 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 mostly felt normal. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, having the SEC back, more Big Twelve games back. Yeah. It just it felt normal. It sure did. It felt like it felt like a weekend where there's really light Big Ten games. Yeah. Like sometimes you get that in like, like week four 10 games. Or, yeah. Yeah. Four Big Ten games or something like that. And then there's just, you know, a better chance to watch more of the conferences. Right. That's what it's going to feel like until the Big Ten kicks off. And we even had that late BYU game, which felt like Pac-12 after dark. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. So, yeah. yeah, to keep the momentum going. We got uh, we got some small housekeeping items. Yeah. Just one housekeeping item. We talked about Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota opting back in, but he had signed with an agent. So there was some, you know, some doubt as to whether he'd be eligible or not. NCAA has granted him eligibility for this season. So he will be playing, switching his number from 13 to the brand new zero, which is cool. Right. So, I mean, I, I like him as 13. I, I don't, I guess I'd rather he kept his number. But I love the fact that you can now wear zero. Zero. So by the way, I'll, I'll ask you right on the pod. Wasn't one of the fake movies that Kramer was talking about was you selected agent zero agent zero. Yeah. That's a, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me which movie you want to see? <laughs> one of, that is one of the best bits. The way he delivered that. Hello. But anyways, Rashad Bateman referred to himself as agent zero. Oh, he did. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's what made me think about it. Oh, awesome. So you got to give Bateman credit in the fun number hall of fame. He's got, two of them sure now, yeah because right? so 13, 13 yeah that's that's, that's a great you know, one tricksters you know they do 13 right yeah it's also like a daredevil like daredevil yeah just okay i'm it's unlucky 13 i'm wearing it i don't care boom like baker mayfield right isn't he 13 well no, he's six, six now but no and he was six in college okay but you know baker mayfield types like he, that's he's who got yeah 13. he seems like he odell beckham that's who i was thinking of okay there you the, go uh, bad representation of 13 yeah he, case, he maybe lives up to that that 13. He's been number playing kind of shitty this year. Oh, oh that um, just happened. <laughs> so then 13 0. The other one, of course, being the gold standard is 69. Sure. I mean, those are the three best. Whoever's got 69, 13, or 0, those are the fun guys in the locker room, would be my guess. Well, I think you can do double zero now as well. Really? I think so. <laughs> so I would love to it. see a like a, I don't know, like a, Offensive tackle or a <laughs> defensive end. There's got to be restrictions or... on who can wear no. the zero. No. It could be I a left tackle. So. Okay. Yeah. Usually, you know, like you have to report if you're eligible so maybe, receiver type of that's deal. That's a good question. Yeah. Maybe the offensive line, maybe that is the one the one position 
in college football where you do need to stay within that 50 to, to 80 or 50 to 70. Poor offensive range. linemen. They're always getting screwed. Yeah, those poor bastards. Yeah, so, okay. Um, that was kind of your, that was, that was the that's big it. That's all I got. Housekeeping, which is nice. Yeah. We're okay. No, we want to talk football. Of, housekeeping right now is bad things off the field. So right. we are hoping to have very little of housekeeping. It's the goal. Moving forward. Um, so I just got a couple more talking points. Right? All right. So we, you know, obviously we're more typically Big Ten football specific. These are some of these are a little bit more 10K view, if okay. you will. First one, not so much. But so I, I, I'm not afraid to be the contrarian. It is not my goal to be the contrarian, but I feel like I am right now with one thing. Okay. Which is the Big Ten's plus one at the end of the year. Okay. Everybody seems to be very excited for this. Gonna, I don't know if I'm going to wait till you get through this. I don't know if I'm as excited as what most people. All right. Seems. Well, let's hear it. Okay. Spill your guts. Don't. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch the games. Okay. Um, they're going to have. Vegas will provide lines. You know, I'm going to be. Isn't that inter- all you need? That is all I need. Okay. So I just don't. I, I, what am I missing to be that excited? I'll I tell you need. what you're okay, missing. Go. There may not be bowl games this year. And, and I think a lot of the lower tier bowl games, if they're not going to be able to put people in the stands, why would they? They're going to lose money. So I think there's going to be a lot less Big Ten teams making bowl games this year, not to mention not playing as many games as the SEC, okay. the Big 12. So they're already behind the eight ball. So it's. To me, that is the bowl season for the Big Ten. Behind the eight ball, playing eight games. Um, I think that is why they put those games there. I think they're almost almost completely function over form, or maybe be form over function. I can't. It's it. It's not for looks. It's for a reason. We have got to have these there so that you know, if Ohio State goes nine and zero or Penn State goes nine and zero. They want to be able to look at their resume and see that they have two wins over teams with seven wins or more. That's a good point, too. I think that's the main reason it's there. Um, I'm just, okay, if we compared it to last year, okay, and it's not 2019, it's 2020, so it's not going to perfectly match up, but, you know, Ohio State Wisconsin was a rematch in the Big Ten Championship. The second place teams, Penn State, Minnesota, would have been a rematch. The third place teams, Iowa and Michigan, would have been a rematch. Hmm. All of those were to be like, if I don't think there's going to be as much desire to play a re, now a rematch. Now they have said that they are going to do their best to move things around. Like my guess is you could have a second place team playing all the way down to a fourth place team. Oh, because they don't want a rematch. They ideally. don't want a rematch. Okay. Now they're going to not going to go crazy with that. Sure. My guess is they only want to go a spot or maybe two. So that that could help. But yeah. You know, it's not unreasonable to think that, um, you know, Penn State would be second and and or Michigan second and and Minnesota second. They play this year. There's Iowa, Penn State would be another one, second or third. There's there's more potential for that this year. And I believe what you're going to see is if we kind of know by then that there's no bowl games to be played, this is going to be the all opt out weekend there are going to be players opting out of those games oh yeah like for sure crazy so i'm just calling that right now i think that's also going to bring the excitement level for some of these games okay, down a little bit. what about this you don't have as many games as the sec like i'm talking about the the division champs 
you know, and then and playing your championship game, that's nine games versus 11 for the SEC, right? Yep. So let's say we know this is going to be a crazy year. What's, you know, let's say Penn State beats Ohio State, but then they have a bunch of guys out for COVID. So then they lose to somebody they would typically beat. They want to give them an extra, you know, so then they don't win the Big Ten because of that. They want to give them an extra data point to get that chance to go to the college that's football a, That's a good point. If that's the case, then that would obviously add a lot of fire to that game. Yeah. So, okay, that's good. I like that. It's kind of a – it's basically – the. You know, Kevin Warren and the, the presidents and chancellors know they screwed up. So it's like a way to say, well, damn it, we we don't have 10 games, but here's a way to get us to nine. Bingo. Yeah. It, it reeks of that, yeah. actually. Um, ne- next data point or talking point that I have, you literally already, you, you're you natural. You know, you just brought me right into it. But so the general, you know, thought process is that 2020 is going to be crazy, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not completely disagreeing with that, but it, it's certainly different. It's already novel, unique, whatever you want to say. Um, but as far as just overall craziness, um, I was excited to see that the powers that be voted down the eight team playoff. Like me, it's already been me too. Okay. Um, in fact, that that's the only time that I cheer for less football. Correct. Correct. I mean, pretty much. I don't and, care how many bowl games there are. I'd rather have nine games this year than eight. I don't want eight teams in the playoff. And that actually could be a negative because if we think there's not going to be as many bowl games this year, I think that's probably a pretty good guess that there's not going to be as many bowl games. That would be a way we're getting cheated out of extra football because if you doubled the teams, obviously you're going to get more football. Then you would still probably have more trickle-down teams because it sounds like they're going to play the bigger bowl games, you know, the New Year's Six type of bowl games. So theoretically you could have more teams in bowls more teams playing if you up the playoffs i just don't think it's worth it to 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 do it because what i'm trying to get at here is are things really that different right now not Um, well i mean not yet okay clemson is the best team in the country it looks like okay alabama is the second best team in the country it looks like now i know it was lsu last year Typically, it's Alabama, or, or it has been, or whoever the best SEC team is. Ohio State is coming, right? We, of course. We think they're going to be there. So that's going to look eerily similar if it plays out like that than it did last year. Well, I mean, is it really that much different any year? Correct. I mean. You're making my point for yeah. me. Exactly. Oklahoma had a horrible defense and got blown out or got beat by Kansas State Again. last year. Yes. Like, like, the only thing that's different about it is we didn't have the rolling into the conference thought process that we have for the month of September. Sure. Oklahoma usually beats three, yeah, usually bad, average you know, two bad teams, so. one okay team, yep. you know, by the average score of 68 to 14, right. or actually 68 to 28 because they give up that many sure. points. We just got robbed of those games. They yeah. had one. That's why this Kansas State game felt so different because it was essentially the second week sure. of the but it's the same. It's, it's the same as last year. It's the same as last year. Yeah. We basically like, have last year, except Bama's still being Bama like they have in the past, and LSU, you know, is obviously doesn't look as good so right. far. So that's what I'm saying is I don't think it's much different. I just think it happened upon us quicker, so it feels like that. Yeah. No, it's a good enough. it's a good point about Oklahoma. I like that. Yeah. Um speaking of the Big Twelve, it's been fun to bash on the Big Twelve <laughs> a little bit the past. I mean Oklahoma, that defense is, I mean, I know we just talked about 
boy, that that looked bad. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, if you look at the stat line of the game, I'm not going to go out a big time, but I don't know how the heck Oklahoma lost that game. Kansas Kansas State, it was, turn, it was mostly turnovers. Okay. But, um, we actually want the Big 12 to look better because we are a Big 10 football podcast, first and foremost. We're not bashful to jump on the SEC when given the chance. The worse the Big 12 is, or the ACC to a certain degree, the higher chances we're going to have two SEC well, of teams. Course. I don't yeah. want to see that. No. So I really am cheering for deeper teams in the ACC and at least one really good team to come out of the Big 12. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. So I would like to see the Big 10, SEC, ACC, and Big 12 champion all get in. That's what I would like. what yeah. I'm saying. So Texas did pull it out, okay? Like, they're still up there. And I think, honestly, Oklahoma State – and Baylor, believe it or not, they still have a chance. All you got to do is win. Pretty much. Just keep winning. To a certain degree, the chances of you getting to the playoff maybe even are lessened a little bit for the for a team like Oklahoma State this year. Lessened this year. So I go back to what I said before, because the Pac-12 isn't starting until, what, November 6th or something like that. So they're not going to be in the playoff. They're not going to be They're not going to be part of it, right? I don't think so. I just feel Un- like... Unless they... They push it back. I think that's still being debated. Okay. Well, for now, they're probably not going to be part of the playoff. Can we agree on that? I agree. I just think that with all the craziness that we expect to see, the committee is going to just take the four champions. I hope that's the case. I think there's reason behind that. But anytime I say something like that, I'm usually wrong. Because you're making too much sense. Right. And it's actually what the fans want. Right. So why would they do that? Correct. Because we don't matter. We don't. Not you, the listeners. This podcast cares about the fans. We reach out to fans, but most people in these positions do not. Yeah. Last rant, and I know you're going to agree with this. We don't need to go too deep into it, but can we get some fans, more fans in the stands? Like, it is the craziest thing where, I mean, I can be watching three games that I'm toggling on at the 11 o'clock game. Two of them have fans in them. One of them has, like, a lot of fans yep. in it. The second one, fans, not so much. And then the third, no fans, which makes no sense. Uh, I'll answer that question for you. With the Big Ten, no, we can't. We're not going to because the Big Ten are leaders, and they want to show everybody else how things are supposed to be done. It's not going to happen. I, I'm i holding out a small, a glimmer of hope. By the way, Jeff Brown, did you see what he said? No. He, he basically said, let's get some fans in the stands. He did. Yes. Jeff Brown says whatever Jeff Brown Tom wants. Dean Hart reported that. Tommy Dean. Okay. My Boy, guy. Jeff and Tommy. Two peas in a pod right they now. They are, right? yeah. yeah. Um, good job. I bet you Scott Frost has probably already said the same thing. If he, he hasn't, he'll say it soon. He probably has. I probably just missed it I, yep. or just didn't pay that much attention at the I time. I could see Ryan Day wanting it too, you know, um, the typical ones. Um, I just, you know, again, I understand not packing the stadium right now, okay? but Sure. If we've already shown in numerous, I mean, the Kansas State game was oh they two or three weeks ago almost. They now. packed a bunch of fans. In <laughs> it there, right? was packed in there. Yeah, I guarantee you, if something bad would have come out of that, we of course would have heard about it by now. Well, did we not see? Did did CNN not write an article that said you could possibly have up to two hundred fifty thousand? infections from this single game like they wrote about Sturgis which was complete BS by the way it was like 250 260 it was actually okay. what, what it ended up being 260 and that's way more closely packed than you would run into in any one of these stadiums oh so, yeah so it, I mean it's just funny to me that there are and by the way there's high school uh fans 
in stadiums all, all oh, over the I know it. right now. We don't even, it's but like, that, there's no difference. They, between... can't, get, they can't get COVID. Only, <laughs> only college football, which is so, not true because there's no fans at, at the pro games right now. But Which is, again, it's like the, the lower the level, the higher percentage right. of fans. You go up to college, you know there's some, and then you go up to the, the NFL, and there's almost zero. Do you know why? Why? It's just exposure. Yeah. The, nobody cares about the local high school game. You don't see that on national TV. Because nobody's just going to follow They're just not going to follow it. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I had to get that. I, and I know there's a lot of people that are starting to say the same thing, so I thought it was worth, worth I mean, just even just like 25% and just have them spaced out. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think I don't see why you can't do and that. And I t- and I'm actually shocked, to, and maybe because the bar set so low, just that 25 percent of fans, it makes a big difference. Does make a big difference watching yeah. the, the game. And yeah. in fact, like my app that I'd like to come with on the fly is like knowing what games are going to be on whatever TV provider you have. I have Comcast, and then an app that says what percentage of the the stadium has fans in it because mm-hmm. I want to watch the games that have fans and more juice because it makes the, the game more fun I mean, to watch. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy the games without the fans, but there's something missing. It's just stale without it's the fans. It's a little bit there. more stale. Yeah. But that's my app. It's a provider slash fan slash give you the line what, for you, the game. You better get working on that real quick here. I don't, I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can develop it that fast. But anyways, okay. So that gets us through the first part of the podcast. So now we will go into our first three team podcast we're going to go with the indiana hoosiers the wisconsin badgers and then the Rutgers scarlet knights we got a red theme going on i i think we're going to call this episode the red scare the red scare yes okay, i like that um also what i was thinking is the first three teams up that we've broke down nebraska illinois indiana it's your three wheelhouse it is right there it's got a big it's a it's got a strong big curt it does and by the way as i was researching iu over this last week i i it started getting the juices for my iu juices so i'm still on the fence about who my plan b team is as it comes as yeah i'm i'm kind of peeling back what i said on the nebraska one i know Let's if just we, let this develop This is what we know, though. If we put it up to a Twitter poll, who should... Oh, bake? I know who's going to win that one. <laughs> That's the... It's going to be like 98% to two. <laughs> so it's not even worth really putting the poll out no. right there. You're just going to have to come to this understanding by yourself. So um, counting this podcast here, we have four more pods to go. Then we will do our season predictions. And then we'll be into the regular season after that. Yep. So if you're wondering how the schedule will go loosely, we've got five pods before our first game week pod. Yep. So you, come fast. A lot of content here in the next few weeks. It's October. Yeah. Crazy. Basically in the next three weeks, right? We've got five episodes. Yep. Yep. No, six. Is it five or six? Uh, we got five up, five pods in the next three weeks. Okay. Five yep. in the next three weeks. Not, so, not too shabby. Yep. We're going to start picking up some steam here. Okay. All right. First up. The Indiana Hoosiers, last five years, this is kind of interesting to me. Their record is 30 and 33. They've actually been mattingly consistent. They've been right around five and seven or six and six every year, with the high of last year being eight and five. So definitely a high water mark for Tom Allen, who is entering his fourth year in Bloomington. Defensive coordinator is Kame Womack. Offensive with a little bit of help from Mark Hagan. Offensive coordinator Nick Sheridan with a little bit of help from Grant Hurt. 
Um, yeah. So what do we got? You uh, go ahead and start it out with your boys here. Yeah, so we got eight returning starters on offense, but I prefer to look at returning production. So 70%, 74% of production returns, which is 37th best in the country. Not great, but pretty good, right? Yeah. For an offense that pre- performed very well last year. Last year, they were 41st in total offense, 433 yards per game, 42nd in scoring offense, almost 32 points per game. This was a good offense. It's a solid year. offense. Really good passing offense where they struggled was rushing, which is kind of strange. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think? But yeah. but they were a little young on the offensive line last year. So now they got a couple talented tackles. The bookends, you got Caleb Jones on one side. You got Matt Bedford on the other side. You got a, a returning starter at center. And then you've, you've got a transfer from Stanford in Dylan Powell at one of the guards. And then the other two, you got a talented freshman and a senior. So I feel like, and if you have good bookends and a good center, don't your guards just need to get in the way, kind of? I thought that formerly. Until last until year for 2019 Iowa. Iowa. That's a good point. You uh, you can look pretty thin on an offensive line with two injuries pretty quick. So that, I mean, that's amazing you brought all that up because that's literally the first place I was going to go once we got to the offensive line. There is reason to be optimistic with the offensive line, especially because of the tackles. No, I think in. so, yeah. But I think they are an injury and a half away from suddenly looking extremely thin and probably mostly looking like they did at times last year when they struggled. I think that is the entire key. I don't know if I'd be going too big to say not only for the offense, the health and maturity of the offensive line might be the biggest key of the entire football team. It might be with the other one being the health of Michael Penix. Because last year, you had Peyton Ramsey to bail him out. Of course, Peyton Ramsey now at Northwestern. You don't have that. And, and Penix, if there's anything he's shown besides a great arm, it's the ability to get injured. So, I mean, not a <laughs> 100% there. He excites you as much for the good stuff as he does for the stuff that scares you, which is basically him walking back to the locker room. Um, not a bad backup in Jack Tuttle, right? I mean, Well, we don't know. As... I mean, he was a talented recruit. He was a four-star. He transferred from Utah, but we haven't really seen him. So... I don't know. Is he good? And, and he's also a little bit injury prone himself. Correct. So there you go. It, it is basically based off of health and development of those two areas. Because once you get into the playmakers, whoa, mama, they got playmakers for days. Like, I know it's even kind of gotten to the point where people have pointed out it's 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 th- we're not going overboard here. This is an extremely talented offense. Well, you still got. I would say three really good proven wide receivers. To me, it gets a little thin after that. We don't really know what we have, but I love the running back room. Obviously, Stevie Scott and Samson James coming on. He had a great game against Purdue when Stevie Scott was injured. He was the four-star that flipped from Ohio State. So that one-two punch in the backfield I'm looking forward to. And Peyton Hendershot, my God, what, 50 Give me the shot! Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm going that for. Remember Pulp Fiction? When... He, <laughs> when when John Travolta, okay. like, you know, in the OD scene. Sure. And, oh, yeah, 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 and he, yeah. he has to, like, puts right. the, the, the red. Sh- yeah. Give me a shot. That's give what I'm going to do with Pendershot this year. Yeah, and he stayed out of jail, which is good. <laughs> I mean, liter- literally and figuratively. So, oh, they also have a transfer tight end, Cameron Taylor from South Alabama. Because, you know, after Hendershot, it gets a little thin. So, I don't know. We'll see see what uh, what he looks like. But, yeah, plenty of weapons to go to, right? Uh, Wap Fillior, uh, Ty Freifogel. There are some people that think that David Ellis might be the most talented on paper sure. guy of, of all the pass catchers. 
There's players. There's players to move the ball. Let me let me ask you. I'm surprised we haven't seen this yet. I've been thinking about this one for a while. It's, this is really stupid, by the way. So stupid alert. So you got Wap Fillier. You got Ty Fryfogel, Whopper and Fries. Yeah. Right? How There's, come nobody's ever picked up on that? You like, know, I, I think I, it's been like bubbling under my head and I've never been able to put it together, but it's there. That's the combo, Whopper and Fries. Yeah. Let's go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the person that's going to try to pull all this together is Nick Sheridan. Um, we got to change, right? At offensive coordinator. Sure. Um, this is a thing. It's, I wouldn't put it up there with the biggest concern I would have for Indiana, but. If things aren't looking as smooth as you want him to look, he's going to draw the ire of Hoosier fans if it plays out like that. Sure. Third year consecutively with a new offensive coordinator. However, from what it sounds like, Nick Sheridan is basically going to be running the same offense that Kalen DeBoer was running. So hopefully they don't have to learn a lot. Hopefully it's a smooth transition, especially in a year like this, you know, with, with COVID, you don't want, you don't want to be installing new schemes. So, I'm, I guess I'm expecting not to see a whole lot of, I don't know, learning curves, blips, stuff like that. All right. Moving on to the defense. Again, very high number of returning starters for Indiana. You could put it at eight, as, nine, as, as high as nine or ten returning starters for the Hoosiers, depending on how you want to kind of break down that whole, you know, returning starter versus production thing. Last year, Kind of crazy, these defensive numbers almost perfectly in line with their offense. 36 in total defense. I wonder how many people that just heard that right now are a little surprised. The Hoosiers were 36 in total defense last year, averaging uh, 352 yards per game given up. Scoring defense, a little bit lower, 45th per game given up, 24.4 points per game. I mean this in the best way possible. This is a no-name defense. Okay. So they lost Marcelino Ball. He was a name, right? I think he was a name. Um, Taiwan Mullen, he was only a freshman last year. That's a name. So that, he, he, he is, but he was only a freshman. That's why people he's don't— He's going to be a name. He's going to be a I, name. I think he might be the highest drafted player on this team. Yeah, he's th- right there. I think that's fair. But yeah, if you, go, if you go down the front seven especially, not a whole lot of names stick out. For me, I guess Jeremy Johnson is one. Jerome. Jerome Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. Jerome yep. Johnson. Yep. He had a good year last year. Yep. Several s- handful of sacks from the interior yep. part of the line. Yep. Um, but yeah, other than that, I guess I have to agree. Micah McFadden is not so much of a name so much as he's just kind of the stalwart of the defense. The whole front seven is essentially just pretty good. You know, I, I think they're strength will be that they will try to rotate a lot of people in, especially on the D line. I don't know if you're going to have anybody that's going to jump off the stat sheet for being the one person that, you know, gets behind the line of scrimmage to make a play. It's just, it's going to be by committee. So that's kind of what was lacking last year. Not a whole lot of pass rush, right? Although when they got sacks, they, they typically, this is the weird part. It did not come from the defensive ends. The returning total sacks from defensive ends from last year, two and a half. There you go. And they all came from the same guy. So that's going to be an issue. They all came from James head. So that's going to be an issue. That's an issue. I mean, it's just, it just is. So it's, it to me seems like it's going to be a bend but don't break thing. If you can somehow, I don't want to say get lucky, but just figure out a way to kind of inch up the stat sheet on forcing turnovers. Sure. To get the ball over to that offense, you're you're winning games just by that recipe. I mean, I would right say, there. I would say more than just turnovers, just big plays, sacks, turnovers. That's what I want to see a little more of now let's go back to Marcelino ball losing him hurts 
But you got Bryant Fitzgerald was behind him, who's played the Husky before. I think he was. they moved him to safety, but they had flipped him back to Husky this year, so he has experience there. Also, Jamar Johnson went from Husky to safety, so he could always rep there if he needed to. I don't think that's going to be a devastating loss for them. I, and, and it's just a depth thing. It's just it's a, depth a depth thing. That's right. It's a depth thing. That's I mean, probably what it is end, more than anything. In the end, I think the Indiana staff, maybe the Indiana fans, you know, fans are always a little bit crazier. That's not a knock on Hoosier fans. I'm saying fans in general. They would sign up for 36 in total defense and 45th in scoring defense again this year if that's how it worked out. You think that if, if they had to take it right now, take it or leave it, 36 in total defense? I would take that in a heartbeat. If I was a Hoosier. Well, I mean, you're, it's not a fair comparison, though, because you're only playing Big Ten teams. Sure, that's true. I mean, I guess what I was – one of the things I wanted to say is I want to see Indiana move into that top 25. But that's pr- going back to that, it's probably not going to happen this year. Especially when you take out two or three teams that they would have dominated. Um, that's so a good point. So getting into the schedule, it's actually – Before another, we get there, hold on. Okay. okay. Oh, you man, always want to skip great, the specialist. I always had a great se- – oh, specialist. specialist. Oh. Okay. So we lose dependable Logan Justice as mm-hmm. the kicker, but Charles Campbell's experience, he was two for two from 40 to 49 yards last year. And then the punter, Peyton Whitehead, he's eh, just okay. So one, one returner on the specialists. Okay. Uh, now, segue into the schedule. Okay. So I'd like to point out that when we are talking about the over-unders, these are based off of the nine-game schedule. There's been some confusions because some of the first ones. Oh, those that came are based out, on nine. They're were based on nine. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So I confirmed it. I thought I wasn't 100 percent sure if I had it correct. Uh, boy Perkins pointed out to me behind the scenes, but I I have these are based off of nine nine. Well, wow, I just they're assuming every team's gonna play. Every yeah, game's gonna play nine. I'm gonna Excuse start listening nine. to our podcast because I just learned something today. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, so this is my overall thoughts for so they're uh, over under set it. 5.5 in a nine-game schedule. Boy. I mean, I... I Wait, oh, now hold on. Okay. So this this is my point that I want to make is when you look at younger teams, coaching change teams, those are obviously the ones that are going to... They're, they're in the toughest spot of anybody that everything gets, you know, shortened down. They don't get the, the, the winnable games, okay? Indiana's not one of them. This no. is a high returning starter and everything like that. But Indiana is special to me in that this is still a program that loves them some eight win seasons. Sure. Or if they could get to nine wins. So you could make an argument to me that the Hoosiers got the shaft with the schedule changing as much as anybody. No, they did. Listen to how they would have started the season. So started with Wisconsin. Now, let's just buy. Let's just have some fun here. Okay. Let's say Indiana wins that game okay. versus Wisconsin. This is, again, going back to the original schedule. Their next games were Western Kentucky, Ball State, UConn, Maryland, Rutgers, and Michigan State. Wow. Is it is it hard to think that they would have been 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 0? It's not impossible. You you probably think they would, would have been 6, six and 1. 6 and 1. That, that's crazy. They got... They got the shaft. They got the shaft big time. Now, then they started into – now they – for that last part of the season, it was Penn State. Then it was, like, I think Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, or something something along the lines You're still looking at maybe maybe seven, eight wins right there. Right. Boy. So, don't – you, you see what point I'm trying to make? Like, they got shafted out of that. (laughs) They They could have – they could have very, very easily been another eight-win regular season team – 
with a chance to get that ninth win, sure. elusive ninth win that they, I still feel bad about Indiana not beating Tennessee in the bowl Boy. game last year. God, I, I hate, I don't mean to be negative, but and go back in the past, but man, they should have won that game. You know, my heart hurt that day as much as my ankle did. That was the oh, day right. I that's blew right. my ankle up. Um, that is literally burned in your, in your memory. Though. Oh, I'll never forget it. Cause I was so geared. I was so ready. I like had the chili in the crock pot it was waiting for me when I got home from the gym, and, and all, my whole night went to shit. But one thing I wanted to say about the Hoosiers just overall is if you look at this team, as good as they were last year, on paper they should be a better football team this I agree. year. I agree. The problem is they have a tougher road 100%. now that all this COVID BS happened. 100%. That's why I would say they're in the ballpark. You're you know, in the team picture for having getting screwed sure. the most by, by all the changes. So a lot of times when you're breaking down – you know, we can only break down, obviously, an eight-team schedule because we don't know what the ninth one is yet. So it seems like a lot of these are breaking down the first four and the second four. I think with the Hoosiers, this is breaking down the first six games and then the last two. And what I'm getting at is they have three team games where they are going to be, I think it's fair to say, prohibited favorites and prohibited underdogs. Like the by-and-large Vegas choice would be that they would be three and three coming through the first game. Sure. And what I'm getting at is they play Penn state Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio state, and Maryland. I would think they would beat Maryland and Rutgers. Pretty good chance. They're going to beat Michigan state. That's three wins. Tough for me to see him pulling out a ton of wins versus Penn state and Ohio state, Michigan. I would put up as a little bit I'm more than that off to the side, a jump ball, mm-hmm. but Brother, we haven't seen him beat Michigan since most of the planet wasn't alive uh-huh. last uh-huh. time. That so I'm just saying, glad you brought it you up. You cannot write that up as a win for Indiana. No, because for sure. We, we, we got to see that first. Like we thought that was going to be a good game last year, and Michigan just abused them. What was it? Is it 88? Was the last time they beat them? Is that right? Or 80? They, I think, like consecutive years, they beat. Ohio State one year, Michigan the next. Like 87, 88. Point is, there. is there is people listening to this podcast driving around with jobs that have never seen Indiana beat Michigan. That's true. So got to see it first before I can predict Actually, it. Actually, those, you know, if you're born in 88, you're getting a little long in the tooth at this <laughs> right. point. <laughs> so that is a big, so to me, that's, that is a three and three schedule. Don't you dare fall back to two and four, but if you can get to four and two, that is a huge you know, shot in the arm to then go Wisconsin and Purdue the last two games of the year. This is a this is a hard and interesting schedule. Yeah, it is. So um So who you got for biggest game? All right, I thought a lot about this. Okay. Because you look at last year as, as well as they did last year, right? Remember they were eight and four. Who are the four losses? The same four usual suspects, Correct. right? The Michigans and the States. Yep. Ohio and Penn. Yep. You gotta beat one of those. So I'm thinking I'm looking at this. You got Michigan one week at home at Michigan State the next week. I was bouncing. Which one's bigger? And then I realized, you know what? The, I think this is the, the year to get Michigan if you're going to get them. You're up. Michigan's probably going to take a, a step back this year, especially offensively, I think. So for me, the biggest game is Michigan. So I got to. All the reasons you just laid because out. Because, and you want to who I think the scariest one is? Michigan State, because you you should be able to beat. People but are going to be saying you better beat them this year. Right. So if you don't beat them this year, when are you going to ever beat? I do like I do like your uh, Michigan State pick for scariest because it's okay. it's the letdown situation too, and in fact it's That's a true. letdown sandwich because then they go to Ohio State after that. But if they were 
to beat Michigan, you could very seriously see them being two and one at that point. I mean, they should be two and one. Yep. I mean, potentially three and oh, I just don't see them beating Penn State. So, but still, for me, the scariest game of the year it, it's the end of the year with Purdue. You think so? Because I think Purdue, you know, generally speaking, is considered down as compared to Indiana and sure. quite a few teams. But they could be limping into that game. Hey, look what happened degree. last year, right? That went triple overtime there last you go. year. And uh, Purdue won, what, three, four games last year? And yeah, Indiana four, was, was eight. So that's a scary game, too. You know, and I, people do not give that rivalry enough credit. And, and they do not. And to the point where on our last podcast, we said, you know, things are chummy in the Big Ten. Yeah, but they not- are never chummy versus Michigan and Ohio State. They are never chummy versus Indiana Purdue. No. Like, I'm telling you, people, if any non-Indiana Purdue fans listening right now, Trust me, these fan bases hate each other. And I would say the only other uh, rivalry you can make that comparison with is probably Minnesota-Wisconsin. Okay, that's a fair. They never like each other either. And now that's if you put Indiana-Purdue in with those other two, I mean that's how big that that rivalry really is. It is. So one more thing, Michael Penix was quoted this week as saying, "We're going to shock the world." Did you see that? We got our first shock the world quote. We're we always got heavy shock. The we got it. So that's if you want to shock the world, be do Michigan. it. Do it against Michigan. Be Michigan. That's your perfect opportunity. You're going to get your opportunity, Michael Penix. Fair enough. All right, that moves us on to the Wisconsin Badgers, or as Kurt likes to call them, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, <laughs> the Badgers. Last five years, pretty good. Fifty-three and sixteen, pretty much works out to averaging an eleven and three record um they get the average of 14 because they spend so much time in the big 10 championship and a bowl game obviously the high was 13 and 1 in 2017 the low is pretty much a blip now which was the 8 and 5 in 2018 last year another 10 win season at 10 and 4 mr excitement paul christ entering his sixth year at wisconsin uh, offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph, who is the quasi-offensive coordinator. I think Paul Christ and him kind of, you know, share that uh, uh, role to a certain degree. And then the the native boy, Jim Leonard, fourth year at defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, so we will start. Let's start on offense. Um, I think their returning starters may be a little bit better as far as numbers than what people – are starting to, I'm kind of reading through the tea leaves here, or giving them credit for. Um, I think you could very easily say they've got seven returning starters on offense. Um, last year, their offensive numbers, uh, 38th in the country, 433 yards per game. Oh, by the way, scoring offense was 20 second, 22nd ranked scoring offense, 34 points per game. I know Wisconsin likes to get dogged on by non-Wisconsin people, by saying it's a plotting offense or whatever, when you're scoring 34 points a game and you're ranked in the top 25 in scoring offense, calling it a plotting offense to me is a lazy take at that point. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a lazy take. Just because you run the ball a lot and play like a conservative style doesn't mean you can't score a lot of points, and they proved that last year. Um, they prove it every year. Well, they okay, they prove it. <laughs> let's be honest. They prove it every year. Yeah. But let's look at returning production. Returning starters, six. Returning production, 62%. That's only good for 73rd in the country. So like you were saying, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, they lose a lot. I don't know, man. I'm looking down this roster. I don't see a lot of holes. I can tell you the one I see is is pass catchers. Yes. I mean, you got to. But even then, it's not, it's, it's not an empty 
tank. No, it's not. And, and really, if you put any team under the microscope, every single team is going to have a glaring loss, right? I mean, even Ohio State, I, you know, I mean, we'll get there, but losing J.K. Dobbins is huge sure. for Ohio State. I'm just trying to say even Ohio State is not void of this stuff. So, of course, that's the perfect segue to talk about one of the most amazing running backs that's ever gone through the Big Ten and Jonathan Taylor. It is not a slight against the Wisconsin football program to say that losing Jonathan Taylor is a huge loss. It's sure. It's a, I mean, the guy was extremely talented. And as my podcast partner likes to point out all the time, the guy never got hurt. He was just, I mean, even a hangnail. Honestly, know. I'd like to know, did he ever stub his toe in the three years he was in Madison? Like you never even heard about like a, like a thigh bruise or something. Nothing. <laughs> it's incredible. So saying that Jonathan Taylor is losing him is nothing is, is an overstatement because I think the biggest loss from Jonathan Taylor offense is the home run threat. The 22 yeah. ranked, you know, 22nd ranked scoring offense, a chunk of that. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. I didn't really do a deep dive. A good four points a game is just coming from Jonathan Taylor turning a really nice 34 yard run into a gigantic 68 yard. It's touchdown. probably fair. That's to me, that is the biggest loss along okay. with, you know, Quintez Cephas made big plays, sure. man. I mean, he's, and he's proven himself. He's, he's looking like a good pro right now too. So losing Cephas is in those two is a big deal with that being said. Now we want to kind of try to bring it back up to what you is the truthful statement. I think in talking about Wisconsin, this is Wisconsin. Okay. They're only supposed to, you know, quote unquote, two returning starters on the offensive line. I could easily make it three and really honestly four. They have rotated offensive line like crazy, which they're, they do a lot. That's typically. what they, that's what yeah. they've done. They're, they're never, well, they're never not going to have three or four, definitely two or three strong starters coming back on the offensive right. line. They always are. And then look down from left tackle to right tackle, senior, junior, junior, junior. Junior, they've all, and they've they're all not played. young. And they've this, all played, and this happens every year. I mean, they 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 cycle those linemen through so precisely, and you know, get them. They they work them in a couple games here and there as earlier in their career. By the time they're juniors, they're not really juniors. You know, they've got some experience, but they're also not freshmen. It's like. Like every year, it's like all all seniors and juniors. It seems like as their starters. I mean, people looked at Wisconsin going into 2019. If you can remember, you know, one well, not one year ago, a year and you know, a month ago, Wisconsin was getting dog dog yes, going they into were. last year. We not on this podcast. We we were still, I think, appropriately high. On well, Wisconsin. you were. I was hopeful that maybe they'd take a step back, and boy, was I wrong. And I just remember people talking about the offensive line taking a step back. And I just remembered I would constantly tell people on Twitter, shut up. Well, I remember I remember you saying to me, like, I was like, well, they lost a lot. And you're like, it's Wisconsin. Your exact quote was, it's Wisconsin. And you can say that about a lot of positions here. Running back, okay, it's going to be more like running back by committee. You I got, think so. You got Groshek, you got Nakia Watson. I, I'm really excited about the freshman Jalen Berger. I feel like he's just going to be Jonathan Taylor 2.0. I don't know if he'll be quite as explosive like you were talking about, but I think he gets a lot of carries too. Offensive line is going to be fine. Jack Cohen, if you look back at his season, sure, not doesn't doesn't jump off the screen like the 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 overall volume of numbers, but 70% completion. 2,700 yards, 18 to 5 touchdown interception. That's a pretty good season right there. That's a that's a Wisconsin quarterback that season. That is a Wisconsin quarterback. Now, the thing that everybody always has wondered, right, the one year they didn't have a Wisconsin quarterback was 
a certain quarterback that's still starring in the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks. And sure. they were electric that year. Is can now okay, Graham Mertz isn't the same quarterback, obviously, but if Graham Mertz is that next level quality guy, could the offense explode even more? I mean, sure, if he's if he's that guy. like that kind of talent, yeah, but I I think Cone's going to be the starter. I do but, too. But, the, but the good news for them, if you looked at, they got not only Mertz, but they got uh, Wolf after him, Chase he's, Wolf. He's good so, too. I mean, it's like a is COVID- Danny Vandenboom still there too? I don't know, but this is basically a COVID-proof quarterback room. It is right. It's it really is. deep. It's it's good and it's deep. So I think that that's a huge plus for them. And then if you look at wide receivers. Danny Davis, he's yep. solid. We know about him. Yep. Kendrick Pryor, he's solid. We know about yep. him. Um, two guys, the two uh, second stringers, both seniors, so we assume they know what they're doing at least. They're going to be in the right place at the right time, hopefully. But then a couple younger guys, A.J. Abbott and Stephen Bracey, are some, I'm hearing great Huge things about yep. So, I don't know. I think it's just, again, you, there, if there's a weakness, it's pass catching. But then you got, if Groshek's playing a lot, he's great catching Groshek the ball out of the backfield. And, and then uh, you can't uh, jump over Jake Ferguson at tight end, too. He's sure. been, I mean, as far as... Uh, uh, catches. He is um, uh, second. Yeah, uh, re- returning starter, highest returning That's catches right. on second. the team is it? Is what? Because okay, highest returning, year, but he's he was second overall on the team last correct. year. Correct. That's he? what I mean. Yeah, Seabass is Oof. gone. So I mean, they're not. They're not. They're, they. There is a step. Losing Seabass is big. I don't even know if I can say it's a step back at this point. I know. It's, it, it, <laughs> I went into this. There was a time where I've seen Wisconsin be highly ranked in some situations. And I'm like, do they deserve to be ranked that high? And then I dug into them. I'm like, yeah, they probably do. They probably do. They they are. This looks like certainly, certainly a top 15 team. I think it's a top 10 team too. I it would not surprise me at all. Cause now we switch over to the defense. Oh boy. And Here we go. to a certain degree, we just started talking about Indiana as far as a no name defense goes, because, because you kind of got the same thing here with big shoes to fill with Zach Bond uh, with the Saints now and then Chris Orr. Yeah, they were their their sack specialists. Yeah, probably year. their best overall defenders. Probably their two best overall defenders, right? And I don't think it's going to matter that much. I don't think so either. I, I, I and the thing is, is like what I typically try to do when you pick out the stars on the defense is to do it in levels. I could do essentially three different groupings of solid guys at each level and just keep naming. I could go, you know, Isaiah Laudermilk at uh, defensive end, Jack Sanborn at linebacker, and Fayon Hicks at corner. Or maybe I could go Garrett Rand at defensive tackle, Noah Burks at linebacker, and Eric Burrell at safety. Well, and don't forget Keanu Benton. They they say maybe their best defensive lineman. And if you if you recall. Isaiah Green May was a starter week one last year and got injured. I, I, Leo Chanel is the super recruit who's going to play middle linebacker. You know who and he played last year. I mean, he got reps. well. Yeah, he got a bunch of reps. Um, uh, but Noah Burks, Jack Sanborn. Did you know they're the leading tacklers? Like, even though they weren't the two best players, they were the leading tacklers on the defense. They're loaded in the secondary. They've got so much depth back there. They got two former starters sitting on the bench right now. I mean. Scott Nelson got injured last year. He's back. They essentially have seven starters in their defensive backfield. Correct. And then you can throw in um, – oh, I'm sorry, Wild Goose is one of those. I was going to say in addition to – Wild. no, Wild Goose is one of those. But, I mean, the, so let's go back to returners. 
Nine returners technically, though a couple of those guys are in the two deep. Production 81% is returning from last year, losing those two great players, 16th in the country and returning production on defense. I feel like this— And Chris, and Chris Orr didn't even make a roster. I mean, and I don't mean that as a, to talk crap about Chris Orr. I'm just saying it's not like he was a generational talent. Sure. I mean, he really honestly was—he was spotty through most of his career, and he had a really great year last right. year. Right. Like we're not replacing a So whoever timer. you replace him with is probably also gonna have a great year. Let's I'm be basically honest. basically their entire defense is back except for Zach Bond as far as quality. So yeah, I would say that's Bond, fair. Bond's Bond's a big big deal, but it's just I mean I I feel like this Oh by the way, their numbers last year would have yeah, skipped sure. over him. Yeah, just fourth in total defense, two hundred and eighty seven yards per game, scoring tenth in total defense, sixteen point nine. They didn't even allow seventeen points a game last year. If you got three scores on Wisconsin, you were above their average. And keep in mind, they had to play Ohio State twice. Correct? That's that's a really good point. Dear Lord. That is unfair. I mean, I I feel like if they get a good running game, like a typical Wisconsin, it's not going to be as good as Jonathan Taylor years probably, but if they get a good running game this year that we know and love from Wisconsin, and maybe I don't love it that much, I think this defense can be as good or better than last year. Do you think they'll have a good running game this year? Yes, I do. I am sorry – Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern fans. We, I know we can. That's the one thing us six teams can band together is we're sick of Wisconsin. Yeah. If one of the teams is going to take them down, you know, most recently Northwestern, Iowa before that, yep. it's going to take a big effort from one of those six teams I just named. Yeah. So they've won four out of the last six Big Ten West titles. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry, specialist. You know, yeah, specialist. <laughs> New punter, Connor Schlick, Schlichting. Okay. But then the kicker, Colin Larsh, comes back. Eh, he was fine. Yeah. If, there, if there's a weakness. There you go. That And, and actually cost him There you go. Year. It did. So, okay. There you go. Yes. We, found a, we did it. We found a weakness in the armor. Schedule. All right. Their over-under is set at seven. And again, this is for a nine-game nine okay. schedule. So yeah. I think that pretty much to me thinks that you know, they're going to win six or seven regular season games, which means obviously Vegas thinks they're going to win the Big Ten West. Um, schedule. I want to say this. I feel like a, I feel like Wisconsin got dogged on more for how their schedule came about than what they deserved. Okay. Um, but for the crossovers, right? We went from three to two. Okay. It was yep. easier before to, to in, in a in a comparatively speaking deal. They got Michigan and Indiana yeah. as their crossovers. This is generally considered the third and fourth best teams in the East. That's not getting it easy. Yeah, that's a good point. And they're at Michigan, too. The, the tougher the teams, they go on the road to play. If it was Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers, I get it. But they got Indiana and Michigan. That's a good point. Why, why have they been getting dogged on so much for that? Well, is, is it literally ca- just a But is it a carryover from the 10 game? Because they were getting dogged on for their 10 game. They deserve to get dogged on more for the 10 game. Right. Not this, not this, you know, 8-9 game. No, schedule. I agree with you. But maybe I it's just, I don't get it. It might just be carryover from that. So, breaking this down, um, I think you could pretty much do this one in four up, four down. Like, kind of seems, you know, to be the most common. So, first up for the first four games, Illinois at Nebraska, Purdue at Michigan. So, Interesting to start out with Illinois. Probably still hold a little bit of a fire for losing that game. Oh last boy, year. I, I think Illinois may be in trouble for that that week one game. Then Nebraska. So Nebraska will have just come off playing Ohio State. So not a great spot for Nebraska, but it is on the road. We doubt that there's going to be fans 
in Memorial Stadium. I think that's a game that Wisconsin better watch out for. Okay. Sure. Um, as we broke down in the last podcast, the factual uh, situation of last year's game is that Nebraska ran all over Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a good point. So they just gave the game away because of, I mean, literally their lack of to be able to stop the, the Wisconsin running game. So is there a situation this year where Nebraska's offense can move the ball like they did versus Wisconsin last year? But if Wisconsin's rushing offense isn't as explosive, is that where the crack is for Nebraska? It's, it's, I would feel, I didn't feel confident in Nebraska winning that game at all last year. I, there's a little bit more of a scare factor to me if I'm, if I'm Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't know, but Nebraska, their front seven doesn't look, look too right. great this year. So I feel like they can run on them. Right. So I think I'm going to, cause you were starting to convince me a little bit that maybe it was going to be Nebraska for my scariest, but it's not, I'm okay. sticking with my original. Okay. And then Purdue and Michigan. So Looking at how things broke down last year, those that was well, technically speaking, that was a three and one season for how they played last year. It is not even remotely beyond the thought process that Wisconsin could be four and all versus those first four teams. I mean, I think they're going to be favored in all four of those games with having even getting favored at Michigan. I think so. I mean, that one's going to be close, but it'll be close. Okay. Then after that. Northwestern at Northwestern, big rivalry game, the Black Friday or Black, you know, after Thanksgiving weekend with the Gophers, Indiana, and at Iowa. That is a sneaky That is sneaky tough because kick. nobody wants to play Northwestern ever. Yep. Number one. Minnesota hates Wisconsin as much as anybody. And by the way, and this is this is Northwestern's specialty. When are they when's Wisconsin getting them? After Michigan. Possible letdown Correct. game. Is Correct. That, how does Northwestern has that ability. And then then what is a new rivalry game? I mean, what's crazy about – I'm talking Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota put the the screws to Wisconsin two years ago, but, boy, did Wisconsin turn around and put the screws back to Minnesota last year. Don't know what to expect there. Then a sneaky – you know, it's a sandwich game. But in between two rivalry games with Minnesota and Iowa at the end – there's Indiana. That's a good point. So, this right is between a, two rivals. This is an interesting schedule. It is. I mean, every week is interesting for this for this schedule. Really when is. You, when you consider because even first Illinois game, is interesting because it's the first game of the year and it's a rivalry. Well, it's, or it's, a, well, it's return, a revenge revenge game. game. It's a really interesting schedule. Okay, so let's go with biggest game. Who you got? Okay, biggest game. This is a tough one. I'm still gonna go with one of the rivals. Iowa or Minnesota. So you're deciding between Minnesota and Iowa. And it, to me, it just kind of depends how the season's going, which one it's going to be. I, it's a toss-up for me. Like, who's playing better ball? Is Minnesota not looking good? Is Iowa not looking good? It's just going to be one of those two. Depends. So you're not even willing to throw it out there. I'm going to go. Okay, if you're going to make me, if you're going to force me to decide, I'm going Minnesota. Okay, I'm going to go Iowa. Okay. But Minnesota could easily be my pick. So I'm with you. But given the fact that it's the last game of the year. And of course, where we are assuming both teams are in the hunt sure. to a certain degree, or at the very least, Wisconsin is in the hunt. Even if it's a situation where mathematically Iowa is out of it, the fact that they could beat Wisconsin to get the Wisconsin, you know, uh, uh, elephant off their chest, it would still be a game that would hold a lot of weight. Um, scariest game to me, I think it's a no-brainer. I'm going with the Indiana Hoosiers That's what I have. right in between Minnesota and Iowa. And you know, Because it could be a situation where going into the last two weeks of the year, this is easy for me to see. If Wisconsin literally just wins one game, 
going into the last two games of the year, they won, they've won the division. Sure. What happens if suddenly they lose that Indiana game, then they go into the Iowa game needing to get the win to get to Indianapolis. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that that's exactly how much weight that Indiana game would yeah, hold. Yeah, for me, I, it was a no-brainer was the Indiana game. I mean, we just talked about how spicy we think Indiana can be with all the returning production. And, yeah, I think that's, that's a no-brainer right there. Indiana Hoosiers. Okay. I'm going with Hoosiers. It kind of gets me excited to watch a little – Little, little, little Badger football this year. There's, well, sure. I mean, I think there's reason to tune in. You know, I, I always appreciate seeing the old school teams, right? I do Traditional too. offenses. I wish Wisconsin wasn't in the division and rivals with Iowa. Sure. I, so I could actually enjoy them more. Yeah, because it's isn't it weird that that has become the outlier in college football now? If you run like a more traditional pro style, you're you're the outlier now. You are the outlier. You're the outlier. Yep. All right, so on this podcast, last, and unfortunately for Rutgers' recent history, typically least, is the Rutgers' Scarlet Knight. Last five years, 13-47. and 47. That averages to a 2-10 and 10 season. Their high was a while ago. I didn't have any children last time they had a good year, which was 2014. Low, they've had a lot of them. So What did they, have, what did they finish in 2014? I just have, it was the best year. Okay. Well, they beat Michigan that year. I know that. Okay. That was their that was their best year over the last. I think that was fourteen, season. wasn't it? Yeah, I was fourteen. I'm okay. pretty sure they beat. I think Michigan they won a couple extra games that year. Hey, all of that is remember what's Lion King? Boop! It's in the past. You remember? Yeah, that? I mean, Rafiki, I Rafiki. I don't remember, but okay. I've seen the movie one yeah, time. I've, I've I obviously think. watched Lion King more recently because of aforementioned children. So, um, Greg Shiano has come in. And a shout out to our podcast listener and Twitter follower, Chop. Speaking of Chop, his name's Chop because that's Greg Shiano's wood, motto. Um, the highs of the highs of the last 15 years, obviously, in Rutgers football, have all been attributed to attributed, excuse me, to Greg Shiano. Well, you know, why don't we? Why don't this is a good time to give Brett Ciancia at Pick Six Previews a plug because he did a little breakdown pre Shiano. Picciano, and then Preciano 2. Okay, so Preciano, 96 to 2,000. Their winning percentage was .200, which was good for 64th out of 65 five teams power for, five for Power teams. 5. Uh, Picciano used 25, 2005 to 2011. They had a 629 winning percentage, which was 20th in the country. Six bowls in seven seasons. Now Preciano 2, 2016 to 2019, they fell right back to where they were. 0.216 winning percentage, good for also 64th in the country. That's got a little uh, K-State feel to it, doesn't yeah. it? Not? Oh, he's, he, that's funny you say that. He mentions K-State and Bill Snyder right crazy. after that. That's crazy. Yeah, great job on that one, Brett. Wow. Um, so there's re- I, I, if you are a Rutgers football fan, you, you have every right in the world to want to – get excited for football greg shiano coming back is a big reason i mean he's just put a breath of fresh air into the program they're recruiting like a big 10 team should recruit now they've he's taken the lovey smith approach in at least in this first year to get a bunch of transfers in so he's beefed up the talent right away too and i guarantee you they're going to be a better organized football team than they were under chris ash and i mean we've got my family's got ties to chris ash like i was rooting for chris ash I'm actually now kind of surprised how quickly Shiano recruiting wise has, 
I don't know what to say. It's bar- has embarrassed Chris Ash as far as how much better it looks now. He has. Just yeah. already the roster management. Yeah, no doubt. Because additions, mean, we got to have additions too that we'll get into. It's look, it's a thing. If you look down this roster, look, I'm not saying it's a great roster, but it's a different looking roster than it was last year. 100%. We'll get into that just a little bit. Why do we need a better roster? Here's the offensive numbers. <laughs> Last year, 129th in total offense, 273 yards per game. That is bad. Uh, scoring offense, also 129th. They didn't even average two touchdowns a game, 13.3 points per game. Sweet baby Jesus. That is some tough numbers. Well, um, but at least the rushing offense was 101st. Yeah, okay, so there's there's some there's some improvement. Offensive coordinator Sean Gleason. This is our eleventh offensive coordinator in eleven straight years for the record, Scarlet. Well, Knights. technically speaking, if because you they had that, an interim last year, correct. right? Yeah. Okay, so, um, and then defensive coordinator. We'll get to the defense, but is Rob Smith. Greg Schiano, he's pretty Gre- much the Schiano's defensive the defense coordinator. coordinator. But Rob Smith does have a history with Greg yes. Schiano, so I'm sure he Which has. Which is how he came to coach for P.J. Fleck. There you go. So, um, reasons to be a little bit more positive with the offense moving forward. Um, I think you can start pretty quickly with, let's go with quarterback. We've got a more proven quarterback with Noah Bedrill. Well, we've got... <laughs> We've got a lot of quarterbacks. Yes. They've got eight on the roster. Yeah. So I what that tells me is they're like, just get as many guys in here. We gotta find someone that's just serviceable. One of these guys is gonna rise up above the other seven and be the starting quarterback. I think the general thought process is it is Noah Vedral. Well, so probably. So let's talk a little bit about the scheme. Sean Gleason runs a dual threat scheme. By the way, Sean Gleason, if you look back what he did at Princeton, it's freaking amazing. He was two years offensive coordinator. First year they were two and five in conference. Next year they were undefeated, ten and zero overall. Scored forty seven points a game. You know who their leading rusher was that year? It was their quarterback. So it's got to be a dual threat guy, which Vedral can do. Vedral can do. But I mean, you also got um, Peyton Powell, the transfer from Baylor, is a dual threat. Johnny Langan, who we've seen before, is a dual threat guy. So I think. For me, I think and obviously Art Sitkowski. Well, threat. well, yeah. Sorry. So I think Art Sitkowski is kind of marginalized in this offense. I'm kind of surprised he actually stayed because he was in that portal for, for a while. At least, well, that was during the season. But you got three at least serviceable dual threats, and you got McLean Carter on the bench as well, too. So I don't know. I'm not sure who the quarterback's going to be. If I had to guess, I would say Vedral. Yep, me no too. Vedral. I would. So, and I would also like to make the call. We are going to have the same offensive coordinator in Piscataway next year, 2021. But, you know, as I say that, my thought process was, what happens if the offense looks really good? Then he's gone. He's gone. Somebody would grab him. Correct. That's how, that's, that's the tough part of being a Well, let me, so let me temper that then. Because I don't think it'll look really good. (laughs) (laughs) So we're, we're, we're tempering. I'm sorry, Rutgers fans. I I didn't mean that just (laughs) came about organically i didn't mean it in that way my so here's <laughs> here's the problem now I, let's tell you why your offense isn't gonna look that good okay here's why it's the offensive line i just don't yes, have a whole lot of confidence yeah, no no it is a it is a patchwork at best we're talking guys that have never younger guys that have never played before older guys that really haven't proven to be, you know, steady guys on the offensive line and then transfers in 
kind of like the, what you did it. You talked about at quarterback. That's yeah. what they're trying to do at offensive line. They're yeah. going to try anybody and everything to try to make this old line look better. And remember John McNulty's famous quote. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he said, what we're trying to do is get our guys to block their guys because <laughs> it w- just was not happening. I mean, they were just awful at protecting the quarterback over the last two years, right? What was the the old uh, Buccaneers coach? You know, how do you feel about oh, your, your McKay, John McKay, John right? McKay, how do you feel about your your team? You know, running successful plays. He's like, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> what a great. Great and I kind of botched that, but it's something. No, like that. I think so, that was it. Long story short, um, we got we got some question marks on offensive line, but then you know, I think now we're getting into the positive roster management yeah. type of thing because you know, looking at, I mean, obviously Isaiah Pacheco is oh a, he's he's fantastic. He's he's a he's a top flight running back in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, any team would be happy to have Isaiah Pacheco on their roster, and then don't forget about Aaron Young. Yep. And the the in the same recruiting class didn't get a whole lot of totes of the rock last year, but Kron Adams, another talented running back. So I think you got a three headed monster that you're gonna see at running back this year. And then at the pass catching situation, um, you know, Bull Melton, not exactly gonna take the top or scare your defense too much, but he's solid. But he's then, talented. He's talented. He and just maybe didn't he get can a, take a step up in the right offense. He didn't get a chance. No, let's he, be honest. He, let's, that is a very fair point. He just literally didn't get a chance. And then in comes Aaron Crookshank. Yep. So, you know, I don't know if Aaron Crookshank is a pure wide receiver. He didn't look like that to me. Yeah. He's he's a gadget guy. He's a gadget but guy. But that's what offenses are now. There's less and less. You are definitely this position. There's more. You're mixing, you know, the 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 fuzzy line between right wide receiver and running back just keeps getting fuzzier and fuzzier. So Aaron Crookshank, you know, he's he's perfect for the offense. Well, and let's not forget he's probably going to be returning kicks too, which we know he can do well. 100%. So they just have they have more explosiveness. Don't forget about Isaiah Washington. Now, bad news is their third and fourth wide receivers have have transferred out of the program, but we do have some youth coming in there. Tight end, you get Matt Alimo comes in from UCLA, highly recruited guy when he was at UCLA, the transfer. And Jonathan Lewis is back from his injury last year. Another talented guy, former quarterback, switched over to tight end. So there are some weapons here. If we can get the offensive line, our guys, to block their guys. The goal is double digits. Double digit scoring in in like ranking. Let's get ninety nine. Oh, I'm sorry. I see what you're saying. Instead of three digits, we want two. <laughs> Correct. Instead of being ranked 129th or 118th, let's go for the 99 to 90 range for total offense or scoring. I mean, honestly, that I mean, would dude, that was a, that would be a gigantic leap. Correct. If they can do that, you're right. I th- I think that should be the goal. Get into double digits. Stay out of the triple digits. There. Okay. And part of that would be getting into double digits in more games because there was a lot of Correct. games last year where they were in the single digits. All right. Okay, let's flip around to the defense yeah. now. Oh, wait. Let's let's just go over production real quick. Seven technically returning guys yes. on offense. Production 76%, which is good for 31st in the country. Yep. So there, there's no reason we shouldn't see a marked improvement from last year. Except for the fact that they don't get to play against teams that okay. are bad. It's kind of like Indiana. I think this Indiana has, is a now better. Now that kind of makes me want to pull back my. The goal should still be to get the 99th ranked. It should but, be. You know. But it's kind of like the Hoosiers where Wait, I think. there's not as many teams playing either. So are we cutting Oh, that's down? true. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of hard to even compare yeah, it, isn't it? Right. Who gives a it's damn? More, it's going to be more. But what I'm saying, is, but... this team on paper this year should be improved from last year. I think so. And I think we can then even 
take that and apply it to the other side of the ball on the defense. Um, I think you could easily say eight returning starters yeah. on the defense, maybe even put it up there a little bit higher than that. Um, Production seventy nine percent, twenty fifth in the country. So this is a there's it, people coming back. It's a veteran team. Yep. Um, here's my first thoughts. Like the very first thought I had is for the defense. Okay, little dirty little secret here that Rutgers fans don't want to talk about. But when Shiano was removed as the defensive coordinator from Ohio State, things got simpled down. Yeah. In you know Columbus, and the defense looked. Sure. So what are you going to do here? Mr. Well, Shiano? I don't because... know that that's the reason they looked a lot better is because they just let the talent do what talent does. They can't but... do that at Rutgers. So can he eat simple it down or does it have to be complex? I do not know. That to me is the whole question because we've already kind of talked on the offense. We we want to, the offense to look better. What has to look better this year because it's the easiest side of the ball to fix quicker. The defense is, sure. I think. Yes. And because your head coach has got a defensive, you know, mindset, the defense has got to look better. Like in games that you would typically give up, I'm kind of making this up, but if games that you would typically give up 56 points a game, yeah. give up 45, make yeah. a difference. And, and as far as Let's the say, totals from 42? last year, can we go with 42? That works. All right. Total defense last year, 98th in the country, 434 yards per game. Scoring defense, 125th at almost 37 points per game. Obviously, the scoring defense won alone. That has got to have a big jump up under Shiano first year. Think about that. A combo of the 129th offense and the 125th defense. That's ugly, man. So, Not it, great, Bob. Not great, Bob. It can only get better, though. I'm, I mean, the, la the last two years, 18 and 19 – have to be the worst Big Ten teams I've ever seen. They're up there. They're up there. I, I think it's one and two. Okay. So I, it's going to get better. Yep. All I'm right. saying that. It's going to get better. And by the way, let's talk about linebackers. Yeah. This is a good linebacking crew. It's pretty solid, right? I I think definitely above average to not only that, we're talking upper half of the Big Ten, I think. It might be. I mean, Tyshawn Fogg had a great year last year. They, they get all three starters back. You still got Drew Singleton, the transfer from Michigan. He, he's... He's a depth guy for them right now. That says something. You got six guys with starting experience. And because back there. of that, it has been rumored that they're flirting with a four three three four. Yeah. You, you want to go to the strength of your defense, which is linebackers. So that's something to to kind of look out for. Now, will it be a true three four or will it be like the three four that Minnesota used to run with Rob Smith with the stand up end? Which is basically a four three. It's over. a four three. Yeah. So I mean we get I don't know. I know. We get kind of it's semantics at that point, but right. But I, I don't know. I, do you think that they'll, they'll actually do that? We will see. I don't think they'll do that. You know what I want it to be? Something that the players are comfortable with. That's what needs to happen this year. I just, I err to the don't over, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Get Let, your guys in the right place. Especially if it's linebackers. Because yeah. essentially what you are looking for is a better overall picture out of the defensive line. Yeah. It was bad last year. It was bad. And... If we can get and the defensive line does it, it's not it's got a couple returning starters, but it's not heavy with guys that are going to jump off the screen. No, and they throw in the transfer from Michigan, Michael Dwum for. Okay, so, so I mean, two starters plus him, so it could be could be serviceable. So here is what I would do if I was Greg Schiano, because I'm sure Greg Schiano would very much take a lot of advice from from me, Jeffrey the Greek, the you know 
defensive mind of his generation. I'm being facetious here, right? You're, you're not sure. laughing here. Okay. I'm sorry. I was I, concentrating on, on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. <laughs> I would rotate as many bodies as you can on the defensive line. Yeah. Don't, don't worry so much about production. Have fresh humans that are in there all the time to just do their job and let the linebackers clean up and actually make plays because I think they can. That's that's the plan. And another one we haven't talked about, Malik Barrow, another transfer, former four-star from Ohio State. Mike Tverdov had a good season last year. I expect him to be really sal- talented. It's a shame that they lost to Lorm Lumore. The guy left early for the NFL draft, undrafted, un- unsigned call. as a free agent. Horrible call. Yep. I mean, it reminds me of uh, Bad advice. Swole Batiku yep. from Illinois. Yep. But, boy, if they had him back, I'd feel a lot better about this defensive line because you have, you'd have two ends that can at least rush the – quarterback a little bit but you know unfortunately he made the the wrong but in decision. the end in the end if you now the only problem is a lot of the guys you named are upperclassmen because my thought process is let's make sure we are rotating in as many of the younger guys as possible because mm-hmm. we're building towards the future guys yeah. that are you know freshmen on the team right now their goal is to get into you know a bowl game situation by the sure. time they get out of there you need those guys getting pressure because then I will say if if we get decent production out of the front seven then we get into the secondary and we got the we got the Avery's right Avery Young at cornerback sure. and Trey Avery let's, these are good cornerbacks let's call them the Avery brothers the Avery brothers that's appropriate that works they're good cor- this, this is actually a pretty darn good secondary not too bad and then you throw in Brendan White another four-star transfer from Ohio State so they got one on the first level they got one in the third level uh Christian Ezian Another solid player at safety last year. So I think they've got four pretty solid starters in the defensive backfield. I mean, the back seven is something to be excited about. It's not bad, right? And that's why I'm just saying it all depends on that that front line. Just get something decent out of that group. And this defense can come together. Yeah, and and we need to get some takeaways here. They were horrible at that last year, too. I mean, they, they literally just did very little right on either side of the ball. So... I think we had 10 takeaways last year. We got to improve that, got to improve some sacks. But, yeah, I think the defense comes down to that line. If we can get decent play out of the, the, the front four, then the back four or the back two levels will take care of themselves. All right. You got, you got some special teams? Oh, yeah, okay. I do. Right. I'm glad you asked. Yep. Both specialists return here. Seniors. I, I see a Senior-laden kicking team. There, this is Illinois-esque in the special team. It really is. These are my East Coast brethren right here. Okay. Punter Adam Corsack. We oh, know Adam about Corsak. him. Oh, yes. I mean, stud. total stud. Yep. I mean, he's he's essentially Blake Hayes East. He is. Don't you think? He is. And then Justin. He was, I mean, we joke. He was, and it's probably not a joke. He was MVP of the team last year. He was. He was definitely MVP. And honestly, he was probably about as good as Blake Hayes last yep. year. If he was, you, he was it, incredible. Yeah, he was amazing. I mean, Iowa fans know that better than anybody. Kicker comes back, too. He's excellent. Justin Davidovich. All right, so that gets us into the schedule. Their over-under is set at 1.5 wins out of nine. That's the lowest in the Big Ten. So this one is not so much a break it down, four to four and four, whatever. We're just this is a conglomeration where you I'm sorry, but you basically just pull out definitely three teams right now. Uh Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. I just I don't see it. Nope. And to be honest with you, Indiana is just they're they're above the Rutgers right now. So there are four teams that I just, it, I, unless there is crazy things that happen, COVID plus turnovers, plus 
more luck. I just don't see those those games turning. So that leaves us four other teams. Okay, Michigan State, Illinois, Purdue, and Maryland. It is not it is not crazy to think that they can win any one of those four games. It's not crazy. And here's one thing: I think Rutgers will win a game this year. I do too. So that if if we're gonna like lead that right into the biggest game of the year. I got Michigan State first game of the year. I thought about Michigan State. I if mean, they got that win, oh boy, you're right. I mean, it literally would be <laughs> enough to to charge them up for the rest of the season. It really would to if get they, that just to just to know you're off the Schneid. I think if they get that win, that probably I don't not, I'm going to say guarantee. I think that means they get another win down down the road. It's fair to say. So did I talk you into that being the biggest? Because I was going to say Illinois because they got them at home. Okay. I mean, I don't know. But if like we're looking at this, the potential. You're right. You know, hold on. You're right. I'm changing okay. my answer okay. because Illinois should be a better team than Michigan State this year. If you're going to do it, I granted it's on the road, but if you're going to do it, no fans. This is the time to do it. Okay, I changed my answer. You okay. convinced me. You Michigan State, it. first it's Michigan year of the State. coach, Mel Tucker. They got tons of questions too. Yeah, okay. new new uh, new offense, new defense. No, we're not we're not saying Rutgers is going to beat Michigan State. We're saying no, but that's the one you need to point at. Boom, okay. boom, boom. We got to get that one. Then after that, Indiana. At Ohio State, Illinois, who's a is a better program than where Rutgers yeah. is right now, sandwiched in between Michigan, Purdue, Penn State. Purdue a little bit stepped out, obviously, with most of the people you just named, but those are all that's a tough that's a tough stretch right, right there. So then that brings me to the scariest game of the year, hands down, last game of the year, yeah. Maryland. Because sure. potentially they could be. Oh, and seven yeah. going into that game. Right. So that makes the game the scariest because they could be looking at Ofer. That's exactly what I have written down. Could yeah. be oh and seven. I mean, it's to be to a certain degree, it's kind of an intriguing schedule. No, Maryland. it is. Yeah. But if they pulled out two wins, which we can see. Boy, I, I could see that. I could see we two can wins. see it. Like to be honest with you, I think that one and a half is actually right where it needs to be. I do too. I think it's an incredible number. I'm gonna yeah. look at it hard, but I, I'm gonna say this: If I were to 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 make a play on it, I'd I'd probably go over. I think I'd go over, and you know yeah. why? Because they got game number nine. They're not gonna be in the top half. They're no. gonna be playing a top half team in the West. They're gonna be playing gonna have another. You know, if let's say the Northwestern team in the West, has probably our second to worst team yeah. in the West. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I yeah. like that over. Yeah. Boy, I think Ooh. I might make, make a, a might phone make a call to my call. Uh, financial advisor after this. Um, speaking of schedule, I would have been mad if uh, I didn't bring this up. So there is some good stuff here, but you want to talk about how it would have been nice. Okay. So we're talking, same team would probably be coming back if, you know, the schedules didn't get yep. screwed up, right? They would have started out with Monmouth, Syracuse, and Temple. Well, Monmouth, I think you could chalk that up as a win. I think so too. Syracuse, Tough. I don't, even, I don't even know what to think of Syracuse anymore. Yeah, they're all over the board. And then they look better last Temple. Weekend, but, yep. I'm not saying these are easy wins. I'm saying, but they could have gotten two out of that. Probably, I think they could have gotten two out of that, and then they still would have had Maryland and Michigan State for sure. Yeah. If they would have drawn a lower half Big West team, who the heck knows where we, you know, the over under win total that we could have seen out of Rutgers sure. before that. It's wow. it, it's just they got the shaft. This is no, Rutgers is is Rutgers Michigan State are at the top of the heap as far as who's getting the shaft this year with how crazy things are. Yeah, I think generally you look at the lower you know the lower half of the Big Ten teams. Those are the ones who are getting the shaft here, right? Well, lower half plus new coach plus it's new both. coach. Okay, that's so, fair. that's yeah. fair. 
Hey, let's do some plugs. I talked about Brett Ciancia yeah. from Pick 6 Previews. We haven't done this yet. I think we really should. I noticed you were using the FB schedules over there. Let's give them a credit. Love those guys. And, of course, Athlon. Athlon does a great job with their preview It's mag. just perfectly laid out. It is. Well, well laid out. And, and the thing I like, you can open it. You got offense on one side, defense on one side. They know what they Yeah, that. they do a really good job. So yep. I just wanted to point that out because those are some of the resources we use to do our previews. That's perfect. Um, well, it's uh, Thursday night as we're recording this, so we're rolling into the uh, weekend, NFL tonight, college Friday night, and then we got another good slate Saturday. You know what? I think it's perfectly okay. You, the listener, me and you, let's let's just enjoy ourselves this weekend. We deserve it, I, I think. You know what? I think I'm going to do that. You yeah. know why? Why? I'm going to be at the track this weekend. Nice. I'm going to be betting the ponies, baby. Really? I am. Uh, where, where are you going? Going up to Running Aces. Okay. You know where that's at? Right on 35W North. Yeah. Well, I think it might come together at 35 at that point. Yeah, I think it's... But, but it's just north of the cities. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Be there all day. Yeah. Betting the ponies. Betting the ponies. Betting on the Preakness. Only it's done it a couple times, but... All of a sudden, you're in that environment, and it's a blast. Oh, it's a blast! And I, I won big on the Derby, so I've got, you yeah. know, I've got the juices. You got the house. Right you're, you're, you're gambling with the house is mine. I am, yeah. yeah, yeah. As my buddy Artie once said, "It's not my money; it's the casino's money." <laughs> I am Jeffrey the Greek, and I am Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.